Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. You are listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. Notre Dame is hosting Central Michigan this weekend. With the, uh, with the intention of moving to 4-0 before moving on to Ohio State, we'll talk about not moving on to Ohio State prematurely after we uh, talk a little bit about Marcus Freeman's comments uh, from his uh, his press conference with the media. By the way, I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, joined by Pete Sampson of The Athletic. I guess the most important news, guys, out of our 15 minutes with Marcus Freeman was the fact that J.D. Bertrand will not be playing this weekend. Yes, and Marcus Freeman was asked if his technical backup, Drake Bowen, would be in the proceedings, and Freeman, of course, said yes. Um, but what will really happen, I believe, is that Jack Kaiser will run the show. Gives a little more playing time to Jalen Sneed, but obviously Thomas Harper is the starter over there at Nickel slash Rover anyway. Be great to see Drake Bowen get some chances. Um Maybe the one thing I took, and I'm not sure if you guys heard it the same way, he was asked about Bowen. He said yes, and he immediately added Osbury as a person that well, could play. You know, so I, I wonder who's that, in first. I, I I don't know, but I think Osbury was playing some mic against Tennessee State. So Still that, not going to start and call the signals, though, right? It's gonna oh, no, be no, 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 of course not. But I just wanted to point out that he was yeah. he was playing that position as well. Pete Sampson? Yeah, I mean Bowen was out for Tennessee State if I'm not if I'm remembering that correctly. Yes, but back so, for the yeah. Yeah, but back for the next week. So I you know, if this was Ohio State, Bertrand being out would move the line. Um for <laughs> Central Michigan, he doesn't. Um and that's yeah, more Kaiser. And I think that essentially you're making um Bowen available as your mic. I don't know how many reps he would actually get. We know the staff can roll with a one Mike linebacker for an entire game. Plenty um, in practice, but, though. Plenty in practice. Yeah, and like, look, this if even if this was like Duke or Louisville, um, you know, I would say Jack Kaiser would probably get a hundred percent of the snaps. A blowout is a blowout, um, and you know whether Drake Bowen has gotten a ton of work or not, he's gonna he's gonna play a bunch on Saturday because of the nature of the game. Yeah, well, Central Michigan is going to have a difficult time stopping Notre Dame if Notre Dame's clicking on all cylinders, which they might not be this weekend. But they right. still do have they still have Sam Hartman. They still have an offensive line against it. We'll get into Central Michigan again. I I tend to give teams a benefit of the doubt. They've got some players on the defensive side uh, on the defensive line, but they are undersized. But New Hampshire scored forty two points against them and very easily could have won the football game last weekend. So uh, Central Michigan's in a whole bunch of trouble. Coached by Jim McElwain, the former Florida head coach. A um, couple years ago, they won, I want to say, nine games. Yeah, no, they but had he, a good little run. But yeah, so he's capable, in, but they dropped a four and eight last year. They're they're one and one, one and one now. They played decent defense against Michigan State early on. Uh, but they they couldn't they couldn't get anything rolling with their offense because they have a quarterback in Bertie Manuel Jr. who's a hell of an athlete, Tim. Right? As, as oh we, yeah, yeah. As we noticed, but that is not an FBS quarterback when it comes to throwing the football. It looks like a shot put sometimes instead of a throwing <laughs> motion. You guys remember last December when Drew Pine entered the transfer portal? I, I do. Is it Central Michigan as the quarterback 
he would have Bert Emanuel as one of his wide receivers. And Bert Emanuel is a legit athlete. Unfortunately, yeah. and he has, and Chris Parker, one of their wide receivers, number 13, I think is good, just actually good. Yeah. And that's it. And Bert Emanuel can't throw. And Bert Emanuel can really run. I don't understand how you don't go get a guy like Drew Pine, but they, he can't throw at all. And this Notre Dame team is going to kill him because of it. And I love the first question because it will never, and I'm, I'm not ripping on the first question at all. It has to be asked. It will never be answered by a head coach. Pete has asked it before over to Brian Kelly. Any signs in practice of anyone looking ahead or any signs of anything lagging in practice. No coach publicly has ever seen a single thing wrong with a single practice, <laughs> but you know, something goes wrong. I think Notre Dame, I, I think I'm probably going to end up picking central mission to cover just out of stupidity and laziness by Notre Dame because you can't cover 12 games, but Notre Dame could kill central Michigan if they spy on a manual and decide to take everything away for four quarters. Yeah, it's like, hey, hey, coach, um, I have some rope. Would you like to hang yourself with it? Like yes. that's that's. Uh, I, I want say one yes coach to, to that say, question. You're screwed. It's bad. Just say yeah, honestly bad. one time, like you know what? Tuesday was not a great practice, but today we were better. Something like that, because you know what happens, and it has to happen against this week or yeah. weeks like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, football fans may recognize the name Bert Emanuel. His dad yes. was an NFL wide receiver. Caught. Several hundred passes. In, oh, he was in, good for the Falcons. Yeah, As a 49er good. fan, I recall Bert Emanuel yeah, quite he well. Was good. He was good. And, and this kid, well, he's the, the Bert Emanuel Jr. is he's bigger than oh, yeah, he's a lot a, bigger than his he's dad. A, he's a legit athlete too when yeah. he runs. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Really, again, I talked about the throwing motion. I mean, it's really slow getting rid of the football. Every if he throws something deep, you'll say, Oh, I don't I don't see anything wrong with that throwing motion, but Anything underneath. Here's what I equated it to. You know what it looks like when a shortstop throws the ball to the second baseman for the force play? As carefully as he can, kind of, right? That. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of an it's kind of an abbreviated, abridged throwing motion. That's how this kid throws the football. It is not, it's not pretty, but he is a good athlete. He wants to run. I mean, you want to talk about a run first quarterback. This kid's a this kid's a run first quarterback. He doesn't want to be throwing against Notre Dame secondary and Michigan no. State secondary and anybody like that. So, you know, I mean, I think Tim, I think that the, the insider that you talked to, I mean, it sounds like they have to coerce this kid into wanting to throw the football as opposed to taking off. Yeah. Well, he leads them in it's two games, but he leads them in rushing by, I think a dozen carries. Um, he's just, and that's with all the lost yardage. So he is all, he leads them in yards rushing by about 80 by a dozen carries. He, he's a good runner though. He, I mean, if, if you, if you don't watch him, he'll run by division, he'll run by power five players. It's just he's not a quarterback. It's an interesting dynamic they have going there. Um, I'm interested to watch Parker before we get into Central Michigan because I wonder if he is actually good or if he just looks good because he's better than New Hampshire's guys. Well, I mean, he's 6'3", 195. This is Chris Parker's number 13 when you're watching on He beat Saturday. MSU for a touchdown to go yeah. ahead late in the second quarter. That's that's like the best they've had. They went ahead of, of Michigan State late in the second quarter, but then Michigan State scored to go ahead at the half. He made a diving, a really nice diving grab against New Hampshire, too. So he's pretty good. They're tight end number 82, Mitchell Collier. I think he's 6'3, 240. So he's got decent size. I, I think he's Emmanuel's generally his favorite target because it's the shortest throw for him to have to, to have to make. <laughs> so um, I, I found it hard to like look at Central uh in the preseason because they were last in turnover ratio, which makes you four and eight automatically if i mean notre dame yeah. if notre dame was last last year instead of being nine yeah. and four that have been six and six or six and seven seven and six 
but uh, I can see why because they're gonna they're gonna have is- issues this year with interceptions and and everything else. Yeah, they're, they're not, not Toledo. They're not Toledo. No, no this is not a high end Mac team in any way, shape, or form. They got a couple running backs: Miles Bailey, number twenty six; Marion Luke's number nine. You know, I mean, those guys. Like, I, 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 I always want to point out a couple players that I think look like yeah. they're pretty good players. Uh, they're two linebackers: Justin, Justin Whiteside, number forty five, and Kyle Moretti. He's a bigger. Uh, a bigger uh, linebacker, number 22. They've got a really stout defensive tackle, number 10, Jacques Br- uh, Quezzi Bristol. Uh, you'll you'll see him around the ball. And by the way, their special teams coordinator did uh, did what Notre Dame did last year. They had, Central Michigan had seven blocked kicks slash punts. So I would imagine he's a pretty highly coveted special teams coordinator uh, that's still at Central Michigan. I got a question for you guys. And I put it in the film review. Did you notice how hard NC State came at Notre Dame's punts? Do you think they see something? I mean, they were selling out to get yeah, a Notre Dame yeah. punt. And I wonder if they saw something that they can get exploit because they were I they came every single time and the first couple times were close. I mean, maybe they just saw a punter who had never really punted in a yeah, game no, that's a good of point. any that, that significance. Point. You know, yeah. first road, first road, first power five, first road for McPherson. I mean, that might have been slightly significant i would have come after mcpherson too yeah i thought mcpherson did a i thought he the first punt i mean he felt pressure to his left and, and so he, ran, he, yeah. he moved away. To his yeah. right yeah. he kicked the line drive uh i'm sure that wasn't necessarily by plan but you know i mean he is a first-time punter and he averaged 50 yards a punt it's fine he could keep doing that too he's his uh his net is 44 it's almost 45 yards which is absolutely Phenomenal. So he's off to a, a great start. Um, Central Michigan has a DB Kent, Dante Kent, number four, but this is a team that you can absolutely throw the football against. New Hampshire threw for almost, I think it was almost 500 yards. They threw the hell out of the football. Every time I watched a play, I kept thinking to myself, it's like watching, uh, remember Chad Pennington? <laughs> Just <laughs> throw the ball underneath to somebody that was open. You kept thinking, why are they so open? And I think it's because Central Michigan's not that quick. No, I, I don't think they are. I, their their D lines their D lines decent, but it is smaller. So Nordheim's offensive line should should have some success there. And for the record, if it comes down to a field goal at the end, which I'm not expecting, <laughs> if that happens, uh, good Tim, God, their <laughs> kicker Tristan Matson uh, hit a 47 yarder. Will, to beat will this podcast happen next week? If it comes yeah, that's what I was going to say. If it comes down to a field goal at end, there won't be a podcast next well, okay. week. Okay, he may kick a 47 yarder in the first quarter. Let's put okay, it there. There we go. Uh, not sure that he'll be attempting 47 yarders late in the game against Notre Dame. I wouldn't think, unless it's a shutout. Um, I mean, it's with, like Brian Newberry style or something. Yes. Right? Yeah. It, or Dino what's, Babers. What's his it, name? Dino it, Babers. Yeah. It's going to be really, really difficult for Central Michigan to move the ball through the air. I am uh, going to find a way to make them cover my prediction because they just can't cover every game like this. They never did. Yeah. I'm going to force it in there. I'm hey, with you. Anything else? Anything else you guys want to talk about regarding uh, our interview with Marcus Freeman prior to this? Tim, you asked about. Yes, about Harper. Yes, about Tariq Bracy. Just the type of. Nick yeah, was that he's I, looking for. I'm curious if that's the mold. I didn't mean go get a veteran every time. I meant if if they want that rugged veteran that can hold up. Because for all the years people ripped on Gracie prior, it's when he was younger and he couldn't hold up physically in there. Once he was a senior, and I don't mean graduate student, but a senior, he was really good 
in 2021 for Freeman. And then he was very good in 2022 and Harper's shown. Well, I just, I know that, you know, coach wants to say, yeah, we're going to get another graduate transfer to replace our guys next year. But I feel like the rugged fifth year, fourth year guy at the nickel that can't quite go pro is a very helpful player these days on defense because you need him to be able to hold up against the run. Otherwise you can't use the nickel outside of passing situations. It's, I mean, this is getting way ahead, but like the nickel next year, is it, you know, is that a, like a Christian gray type? I mean, he's physical and long and like, do you want to cross train him a little bit? Cause you still have Mickey and Morrison. Um, yeah, and they tried it with Mickey and he was a little too small last year. Right. As the yeah. backup nickel. Yeah, you don't stuff. need to be an old, I mean, Sean Crawford was you got to be strong. Would have been the starting nickel. You just got to be an aggressive sob out there, um, and strong and physical. And like you know, you can you can find freshmen who do that who can do that. Um, yeah, but yeah. I would think Christian Gray, like the way he's put together, I I'd love to see him get a shot at it after he changes his number. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna happen. Oh, right? The old twenty nine's not working for you. No, huh? no, it's not working at all. You asked Marcus Freeman a question near the end. I want to save that answer for question one in segment two. Even though this is college football podcast, I'm going to guess that a lot of you are NFL fans as well. As you know, the NFL is officially back. A lot of your Sundays are probably now filled watching games, and a big part of watching those games these days is fantasy football. That's why we partnered with Underdog Fantasy for this football season. It's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Underdog Fantasy has a lot to offer, including Pick'em Game. In Pick'em, you pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. It's so easy to play. Just pick two to five stats of your favorite players and choose whether they'll go higher or lower. Say you're watching the Bengals. You pick whether Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, or others will go higher or lower in certain stat categories. You can win 20 times your money by going five for five. So sign up today with promo code Irish and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with my promo code Irish to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. You must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply Concerned with your play, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. We have questions from our listeners in our next segment, Burning Up the Boards. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit gamedayyourway.com. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit Aer Lingus.com to book today. 
Welcome back to segment two, Burning Up the Boards. Our first question is from Jack Mac 99 I feel like a lot of people are overlooking this weekend's matchup against Central Michigan with Ohio State lurking. What challenges does CMU present Notre Dame on both sides of the ball? I mean, it's the the fact that you can overlook them. I mean, that's the, the challenge of Central Michigan is that Central Michigan is bad. Um, and when you play a team that's bad with another team coming after it, which, I mean, let's the entire season has been built around the Ohio state game since last season ended. Um, it's the unofficial start of like the really interesting part of the season. Um, you know, it'd be Notre Dame's, would it be as big as beating Clemson in 2020? I, I mean, you could have that discussion, but like the fact that you would even have that discussion is significant, but I mean, that's why Marcus Freeman has talked about, you know, winning the moments. And like last week, he talked about how, you know, we need to have a better meeting today than NC State has a meeting on Tuesday. Um, and it's like a it's a unique way to say something that every coach has been saying for the last hundred years about staying in the moment. But um, he talked about, you know, letting your mind drift and practice. And that even happens to him sometime. And like I so it's like that's an interesting way to phrase it. And I also appreciate the fact that he's upfront about it because like how many coaches have we talked to over the years where they would just say well we're not looking ahead and that's the end of the question like he's actually willing to explore the human nature of it and you know talk about use the word ohio and state in an answer um you know some coaches like to pretend like that game doesn't even exist because that if it did then you're not staying in the moment automatically and it's that's just not realistic you know, it'd be easier to stay in a moment if, if football wasn't such a physical game. I mean, you add that component onto the mental and emotional part of it, and it, it, it does get tricky. They won't. I don't think it's going to be an issue. I don't. D- does Notre Dame, I guess, Tim, what it comes down to is, is, is Notre Dame emotionally and physically prepared enough to cover the spread in this game? That, that's, that's probably the bigger question than you know, whether you're going to win, whether you're going to lose to, to central Michigan, but I, I just think, you know, the physical component added to it is what's always we on the outside look at it and say, how could they let down And that? Well, because you don't know what a football team has gone through after playing three straight weeks, four straight weeks, what ultimately will be eight straight weeks when they have to play USC of all teams, they will have played eight straight weeks when they have to play USC. Yeah, and this ties into the question I wanted to add on here. But first, you guys recall Ball State um, was also terrible. It was a 34-point spread back then. Um, Notre Dame approached that totally differently. They had won their game of the year, which was Michigan, that they pointed to the whole time. Um, And as Julian Love told us one week after the Ball State game, hey, guys, let's be honest. We all know we overlooked Ball State, okay? (laughs) God bless somebody for one time saying it. Yes, but you know when you know they've overlooked them? I still remember looking down there on the opening kickoff and Notre Dame had in nine backups. And I thought, eh, it's, it's really taking this sort of the extreme here, BK. And it showed the rest of the game. Brandon, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. I don't want to talk about Ball State. But uh, we were asked by Kaiser Wilhelm if this is a egregious scheduling failure having a game right now. I think it's this is a great time before Ohio State. But Tim, six games by September 30th. And then a game after that, and then a game after that. You needed a bye somewhere before the USC game. There was a scheduling failure. I just don't think this week has anything to do with the scheduling failure. Yeah, I think it's after. Games by September 30. I think it's after Louisville. Yes. You know, I mean, we can say, yeah, it'd be great to have a have a bye before Duke. Would we have said that 12 months ago at this time? I think it'd be great to have a bye between two road games of Duke and Louisville, too. 
also. I, I would agree. I, Louisville, I think we need to see a little bit more Louisville. I haven't seen enough of them yet, but that could potentially be be a danger game as well. So, but it is what it is. Um, the great thing is that Notre Dame has developed or has started to develop their depth here at the beginning of this season. A bunch of players have played. A bunch of those players have put up statistics and, and played some meaningful minutes. They will, I'm sure, readily, freely call upon those guys in the first half at times, depending upon which position we're talking about and which players. Uh, but yeah, it's human nature. And for the rest of the history of football, this will always be an issue. Getting back to my original point, just the mental, physical, emotional investment in playing this game is something at this level is something that none of us will ever be able to relate to. Yeah, it's why Duke doesn't lose if they play Central Michigan in basketball before the North Carolina game for some reason. I mean, I know that doesn't happen with scheduling, but like they, you go out there and eventually you roll the ball out for 30 minutes and kill them. <laughs> Whereas no. it's not the same thing for football. Well, that's the, on the physical point of it, like, all right, let, let's say this game looks like Tennessee State, which is reasonable to think that it may look like that or looks like Navy at least. So you've got the second half of Tennessee State, second half of Central Michigan, last quarter and a half of Navy. Your starters didn't play any of that. I mean, that's that's removing a game from the schedule when you add it up. Um, so it's like Tim Priester's talking about like your backups have played more and that's significant. I agree. But I think for the lack of a buy, it's probably more significant that your starters have played less. No, I, and I, I agree that adds you. up over time. BK had for multiple reasons, BK had difficulty getting the, the you know, th this kind of depth, creating this kind of depth on a, on a year to year basis. Yeah. And Ball State, I mean, not that this matters at all. That was in a weird spot. Like, they did put nine months into Michigan, and it was quite a night for Notre Dame to beat Michigan. It's just that you can't play that. And if they had Sam Hartman, it would not have ever been 23 And they almost lost to Vanderbilt the week later. Yeah, yeah that, that had a little bit of that had a little bit of a quarterback situation going on, too. If Sam Hartman was on that team, I don't think we'd have been talking about Ball State six years later. Uh, no. Question from Coach Aguiar. The improvement across the defensive line, is that due to the entire position group buy-in? Is it attributable to coach Washington or something else. So I think the buy-in question comes from elsewhere that there was two graduate students and a guy going the NFL last year that when you're 0-2, it's hard to buy in a little bit over the course of time. I think I brought this up in July when Marcus Freeman said after the UNLV game, which was game seven, that's what we want to see from Isaiah Foskey. It wasn't because he was being kind when he said it thought the Adam Alolos were better the year before and the year before. So I could see buy-in being part of it. Um, I think it's the fact they've played one team with a pulse is a big part of it, too. And I'm talking about Navy offensively, because NC State does not have one offensively. And something else, Coach Washington in the depth. They, they, they forged. I really like the depth, and those guys are playing almost as well as the starters in some instances. Now oh, they've done. They, he's done it. I mean, he's done a really nice job of developing the depth. I, I didn't know that the defensive line had arrived. I, again, a week ago, we were talking about how NC State was going to, there was fear that NC State was going to run on Notre Dame. That did not happen. I, I, I'm i not saying that. I mean, but they've I, arrived for the three teams they've played. There's no well, doubt about yeah, that. That's true. Yeah. I, like, I don't like, you know, I, I think there is, there are still some questions about the D-line, it's the pass rush with the four-down linemen. We we talked about that. I, I wrote a story early in the week talking about how Notre Dame adjusted 
to not having a, a pure pass rush with their down four. Um, some people interpret that as me saying you're going to be able to get through the whole season by blitzing linebackers all the time. I must not have done a very good job of of explaining because that wasn't exactly what I meant. Maybe the headline kind of threw people off a little bit, but there's still a lot to prove for the defensive line. But I was never one to overreact to Al Washington last year after after one season. I right. understood why I understood why people did. Uh, but you know, it's still a work in progress. The main thing is it's just, you've got to get past rush. And here's the thing about last week, which I didn't realize until I went, came home and watched the game. I mean, the, the pass rush was deliberately not selling out to get to the quarterback because they wanted to stay in their passing lanes. So the linebackers could come up and then force Brennan Armstrong to get rid of the football. So what people interpreted as Jordan Battello being lazy, <laughs> He was playing contain, and they were trying to keep Brennan Armstrong in their passing lane. So sometimes we're dangerous with opinions because we don't know what the hell's going on. Might happen. This is why Al Golden gets a little bristles every once in a while when we ask questions that come from other people that we're trying to ask for our constituents. Remember yes. all of last year? Yes. And early this year. Not a, not a fan of the fan questions no. that question yeah. the uh, starters. You get Priester in a J.D. Bertrand yeah. uh, conversation with Al Golden. I. So I, I put this in my mailbag today over on the athletic because I, I get a lot of questions you guys get about like, are they blitzing their linebackers too much? Yada, yada. They don't, they never seem to get home. That's the perception. Here's the reality. I track how many guys are on pass rush activated on every pass attempt against Notre Dame. When they've activated six pass rushers, honest one, one drop back, the opposing quarterback is four of 12 for 32 yards and three picks. When they've activated five pass rushers, he's 11 of 24 for 98 yards and one pick. There aren't sacks in there, but there's no efficiency at all from the opposing pass game. I know they've completed some passes, but not a lot of them. The new motto, life works that way. Passes get completed. Yeah. Unless you're playing Bird Emanuel, then the passes might not get completed. We'll find that out this week. But there's. Well, I, w- I was talking about it on podcast Monday. I, like, uh, there's this perception that you should be able to serve all needs in every game. You know, you, yep. you, you get a, you get a you get a pass rush with your four man line. You get a pass rush with your blitz, but you're great on the back end. And you can't. I think I used the term. You can't serve all masters in one game. You just can't. It's there's there. There are too many moving parts to to do that. So sometimes there's given, believe it or not, the opponent practices every week and sometimes makes a play or two. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking directly at Coach Aguiar here. I'm just saying in general that this, this, this constant, everything needs to be perfect is an absolute impossibility in the game of football. Question from Krim04, after watching a few weeks of football, Will you re-rank the big three games in terms of degree of difficulty? Ohio State, USC, Clemson. I would re-rank the three teams, but not the three games in degree of difficulty. I still say Clemson, Ohio State, USC for the three hardest games for Notre Dame, game situations. And, I mean, I think it's Ohio State, USC, Clemson in terms of the three best teams if they were to jump into a like a postseason tournament with other teams. So you still have Clemson as the most difficult of three. Yes, for sure. Without huh. blinking an eye, I have that. Interesting. I think I need to see a little bit more of Clemson, but I'm. That's I mean, why I say it now. They were terrible against. That's Duke. fine. You can. 
Oh, just so Notre bad. Dame looks so much worse against Marshall than they did against Clemson last November. It's impossible yeah. to talk about it. It is a long way away. Um, I do think, I feel like for me at the beginning of the year, USC was the clear third. I'm not so sure I feel that way anymore. I think these games are a lot tighter together than my July opinion on it. I agree that with that because they have a magician, um, but there's a lot going on. That's I good. would suggest that if you go look at the stats from the Duke-Clemson game and you didn't know which team was which and you just looked at the stats, you would think that Clemson won the game. Yeah, you'd think uh, Clemson was Notre Dame and Duke was South Florida. Oh, right. Yeah, that was that's a good one. Yeah. You're, he's talking 2011. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, no, I'm no. not talking about 2020. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. No, I, I, I know. I, I just, you know, let's... I am not going to co- declare Clemson dead, you know, on September 14th. I, I think that's, I think that's crazy. We do. We, we know that we know the issues that Clemson's dealing with that, that Davos Sweeney has helped somewhat create by being resistant to, to grad transfers, et cetera. Notre Dame was terrible after week three last year. They were worse after California than they were after Marshall. They were awful at football. Yeah. Just, um, I don't, you know, Ohio State, I, I, I don't care about ranking them. Ohio State comes up after, after Central Michigan. That's the only thing that, that's the only thing that matters. I know that's the game that, that's a game that we play, but I, I, you know, I, I would just say, don't count out Clemson yet at Clemson, because that's going to be, if Clemson stays undefeated from, I mean, since Duke and until they get to, to Notre Dame, it's going to be a, it's going to be a madhouse there. If yeah, well, that means they will have beaten Florida State, right? But now I was just gonna, yeah. Now they're they, a three point. They're a three point underdog to Florida State right now. They probably then they probably won't do that. Uh, USC still has their, you know, it's the same thing on defense for them. They're taking the ball away, but they can't stop people. Uh, Ohio Thanks. State is, is is having some issues at the quarterback position, but defensively, what was the question, Tim, about? underestimating Ohio State. No, they're good. Who is doing that? Fans? Does that impact the, the, I mean, I don't, I don't know who's, I don't know who's doing that, but all I know is that the hardest next game for Notre Dame is Ohio State. To Pete's point though, at least for once, the other teams don't have three really good quarterbacks on top of Notre Dame's quarterback. It's just, it's just USC's quarterback where you, where you have to sit there and marvel as opposed to in the past, you got to make up distance the entire time. Yeah. If way. you rank the four quarterbacks of like, it's Caleb Williams, one Hartman, it's, two yes. McCord, three club, Nick four. Yeah. But it, it used to be pine 12. So yeah, exactly. Difference. That was the problem. By the way, uh, take a look at USC's receivers. That is oh my amazing. God. Have you watched Zachariah branch return kicks? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is the most ridiculous. What do they go nine deep? I mean, legitimate eight or nine. Jerry Rice's kid. They are that that receiving core with Caleb Williams is should be illegal. It's 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 ridiculous. But one step at a time, because Nordame certainly USC is going to have a really difficult time stopping Nordame's offense. Hey, I want to say this now because it'll, it'll never happen again, but maybe two steps at a time because you see Caleb Williams' dad said he might come back if they don't like the situation in the draft because yeah. that would be awful next Thanksgiving Saturday. I don't want anything to do with that at all. You need to get somebody else in there playing quarterback. Ooh. 
that wouldn't be good. M. Lindbergh, Notre Dame has a really well-balanced offense. What are the keys to that offense being competitive at the top end of the schedule? Which are these three teams? And I would say Duke's defense. That's the top end right now, right? Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, I think it still comes down, especially with the way Jared Parker appears to approach offensive football. I mean, it it still comes down to the ability to run when you want to run, the ability to run when you have to on third and short situations. Um you know, you still have to get the wide receivers involved. I think there was a question about, you know, do you force the football to the wide receivers? This way? I don't think that's the way to play football. I, I think you you let your offense develop. You you get the foot you get the football to the wide receivers when you can, but I don't think that you intentionally put your offense in a bad situation by forcing throws. It could be picked off by Dante Kent, their one DB that I think is pretty good. Um, Pete, go ahead, jump in. I mean, the offensive line has to play better. I mean, it's not, we talk about the balanced offense of like, you know, estimate and Ford or estimate and love and price, but then also like you mixing the tight ends and the receivers. Like to me, it's like, if you want the offense to continue to be well-balanced against USC, Ohio state, Clemson offensive line has to play better. You cannot have a play like that first series where Rocco Spindler and Blake Fisher get beat one on one while the left half of the line does a really nice job picking up a blitz. Um, that's, that's the kind of stuff you have to cut out if you're going to be a well-balanced offense. Cause like, I don't know too many well-balanced offenses that uh, face third and 12. Like that's, you cannot be balanced at that point. You're not balanced then. Yeah, it's uh, I agree with Pete on the offensive line, and we should point out that Tim Priester mentioned this, I believe, in May, June, July, and August, that the offensive line had to be more than what we thought were the givens. Blake Fisher is going to have to be better as well. He's he would not if you didn't if Blake Fisher didn't have his reputation, you'd be wondering, huh, wonder what's going on at right tackle. Do they need to they need to look into that? But he has obviously he's played better football than this in his life, uh, including last year. I thought he was going to take a big step this year. If if he's injured, I think we have a question on that. I don't know. Uh, the offensive line would make the offense whole. And to Tim Priester's point about the receivers, you don't force it to receivers because they don't have great receivers. They have good developing receivers that are fine players. There's no one to force it to on the wide receiver core with any success. The key is that you don't have to force it to anybody because they have a bunch of players that can play a little bit. Yeah, there's nobody on a team to force it no. the ball to. Like I, I don't, I, I'm not, I, I'm hearing and seeing a lot of criticism of the two guards, I, 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 NC State's I, think the, I think the right side has been more of an issue than I don't think Coogan's but, had a big issue. But I mean, I, you know, I don't think Spindler struggled until NC State. I don't think Coogan oh. really struggled until NC State. I realize the jump up in competition, but if you don't acknowledge that NC State has a good defensive line and a good run defense, right. you're only looking at half of the equation. I think Coogan is doing just fine. Um, at, at yeah. this considering, considering, and that's age. like, I people have jumped on me are like, why are you like saying the offensive line's playing poorly? That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, I just don't think they're playing as well as they can. Yeah, or, no, or I mean, they were like six yards a carry and 200 yards they've rushing. Been, they were they've fine. been, they've been good, but I think they have a chance to be very good to like even better than that. And we're not there yet. So and how many times have we said that in the, after the first three games of the season? Just about just about every year. Yeah, a lot, a lot. Yeah. Speaking of which, last year they were awful after game three. 
We, and we're talking about three different offensive lines. Terrible. And then remember them against Clemson. That's my point of the Clemson game. It's the exact same weekend. Notre Dame's offensive line was terrible last year after three games. Just they could not get out of their own way. I mean, the uh, quarterback's different, obviously. Do you remember uh, what Notre Dame's rush offense average per carry against Ball State? Two point <laughs> eight five yards. <laughs> and there were there were two carries accounted for, I think, one hundred yards. I have to tell you, that was the most fun I've ever had doing X things to say because I found a gimmick <laughs> and it was tremendous to do the entire way through. I, I think it's really how uh, it. I think it's how Greg McElroy discovered it. Yeah, well, that's, I think so too. But that was when I got I put up the star ratings of all the Ball State players that made tackles in every play. <laughs> all right, we're gonna uh, we're four questions in here, fellas. We're gonna pick up the pace a little bit here. Question from Statman: uh, Both Notre Dame and Ohio State should be looking ahead to next week's game. This week, Notre Dame is favored by 34 and a half, and Ohio State is favored by 28. Which team do you think will do better better against the spread this Saturday? I mean, I'm on the record. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, Notre Dame, because Western Kentucky can actually score. Yes, I agree. They have 93 points this year, 91 points this year, Western Kentucky in two games. So Ohio State can score 49 and still struggle to cover the spread. I don't think, I think Indy's not going, I'm just, I don't even think Indy's not going to, I'm just going to bet against it because at some point they're not going to cover the spread. This is human nature to win by, if it's 34 and a half, they win by 33 on some junk at the end. I'm, I'm inclined to look at that way too. And I, I think a lot of times, like when we miss a pick, which I ended up missing mine by a lot, it's like, well, you picked against Nordane last week. The worst thing a better can do is base it this week upon <laughs> my pick last week. <laughs> that's a foolish way to approach it. So Brian Armstrong should have been under 245 yeah. and a half yards passing. I guess betting yes. is okay. It's the parlays that kill you. <laughs> right. You should be all over Christian gray. O'Malley. Yeah, that he wanna, was, he killed you. You want to, you want to share. Yeah, that's why he's not the nickel next year. I'm getting a grad student. No more Christian gray. He's done with I me. Think you should share your parlay with us real quickly. So that we can go on to the next question. <laughs> it's on, it's on next things to say. It's the okay, end of the world. Oh, I can't okay, believe it happened. I can't believe it happened. Question from Iris John M. Do you play Audric Estime beyond the first quarter this Saturday? If not, does one of the backup running backs rush for 100 yards? And which one? I definitely play for the first half. Uh, I do think it's part of the game plan, though, is to maybe extend Price Love, Ford is back, and Payne um, for Estime because it makes sense. It's it's time to give him a little time off. Uh, but first quarter is hard to talk anyone into and not logical. There, I don't think. Remember, the first quarter against TSU is what, 7 3? Yeah. 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 Or, or, yeah or what, what if he has three carries after the yeah. first quarter? So uh, when you're into that third quarter, you sit estimate probably. But uh, with all, if you have this many good backs, it's second half. It's time to get them all a lot of looks. Yeah, it's a no. What no more than 14, 15 carries right. for estimate. Yeah, I think it's that's a great call. Re, yeah, I would just like less a time in the game and more a total volume of touches for Audric Um I think this is at some point. Jeremiah Love is going to have a 78-yard touchdown run. That's that's my pick for the backup to get 100 because I I still think I still I think they're going to keep Price on a pitch count as long as they can as long as they have to. Mm-hmm. I think sure. Jeremiah yeah. Love I, I think Jeremiah Love breaks one um, breaks a long run this weekend and to 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 create the scenario that Irish John M is asking I would say J- Jeremiah Love. Next question from CN Railroader90. 
I just watched the Irish Illustrated Rewind on Thomas Harper. It was a great job by Kevin Sinclair, by the way. Can you assess Harper's performance for the first three games? I think we talked about that. I mean, he barely played against Navy because he's a nickel and they yeah. there's not much need for nickel. I, I didn't like the way he handled the pass interference against Tennessee State. And then I thought, especially down the stretch, especially in the fourth quarter, he was great against uh, against NC State. He's 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 getting better. He's falling in line. He's adapting. Uh, and when Notre Dame uses the true nickel, which they are inclined to do, certainly uh, certainly moving forward from here, I think he's trending in the right direction. I would say he's exceeded my expectations quite a bit so far. I mean, it, I don't know if he's the most underrated guy in the defense because it's kind of hard to be underrated at Notre Dame where we talk about everybody, but. This is Zach Martin, he, only guy yeah, ever. He, he, Thomas Harper sort of qualifies there as like an underrated part of the defense. You know, it's funny I, uh, you should say, I'm sorry, Tim, go ahead. No, you were saying about Zach Martin. No, it wasn't about that. <laughs> he just said it, it, that Harper's exceeded his expectations, and I don't want to use that word because I'm going to use it with another player a couple questions from now. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Harper and Ramon Henderson have the same number of snaps. I would expect that to never be the same again over the next nine games. Thomas Harper will play more than Ramon Henderson. I think, I think he's earned the, I think he's earned being there as the nickel. Although I guess the only question is Jack Kaiser has less than both of them, fewer than both Henderson and Harper. And that will change this week. Cause he's going to start at Mike linebacker. Yep. It's a unique situation because Ronnie's played three games where one of them was competitive. Yeah. It's really hard to understand what the, what the plan is, you know? Yeah. But boy, you know, and, and that was one of the, um, Kevin Sinclair's new um, Irish Illustrated Rewind, which we're pretty excited about. We think it's going to be a, a good addition. Um, he made some he made some really, really good football plays when it counted against NC State. ND15 Irish. This one's probably for me to answer, but we'll go anyway. What's more likely, the starting quarterback for Notre Dame at Texas A&M to open the 24 season is someone currently on the roster, Angelia Minchie, or someone not on the roster, CJ Carr or a transfer, I would like to go ahead and let CJ Carr be in the on the roster part of this even. If you guys want. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a question of Angeli Minchie and Carr or or bucket number two transfer. Priester, you can answer. <laughs> I wanted you to answer first. <laughs> no, I, no, thank you. That's I mean, why I'm I read not, the question, I, so I wouldn't be the yeah, enemy again. I'm waiting until December. I'm not really sure. I, 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 I think that most... I don't know. I mean, I think in order for Norton to be at their best next year, you would go out and get a transfer, right? Uh, and Jelly, I think, is showing progress. But I don't think, in, unless, God forbid, unless he has to move into the starting lineup, I, we're not going to see enough of him to know whether he is a guy that is ready to step into the starting lineup. I don't think Minchie will be. I think Minchie has to, he needs to get stronger. He needs to change his body a little bit. I think he's a you know, that's a two-year deal with, with Minchie before you turn to him. I, you know, you don't like to have to do this every year, I guess, based upon, you know, your roster and what have you, but you do what you have to do. You do what you have to do. You got one word for you guys. We ecosystem. Know ecosystem. We know where you stand on that. I never just... worry about the ecosystem again. They're all transferred anyway. Uh, it is more likely Notre Dame's quarterback next year to start the NMC game is not on the roster. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for you. Like, 
I didn't say it was hundred percent, just like fifty-one percent. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just like I didn't think Buckner would be on the roster next the year. The thing, the thing with Fans like the are. transfer part is like Sam. There's no Sam Hartman anymore. There wasn't Sam Hartman in the September last year though either. It just kind of, like but there player. was with like the COVID year because that's the thing. Like people talk about, like, well, you're gonna take a guy who wasn't playing at Ohio State or USC or like some former okay. four-star, whatever. Like that's not the transfer you need to take. You got to find the Sam Hartman type of transfer, and like those, those are going to become less and less available as these COVID years go away. Do you want Jack Cohn to start for Notre Dame in twenty four, or Angeli or Mitch or Carr? It's there's no debate from there's no debate here. I, I mean, of course, you want the guy that has playing experience. You're probably not going to get another Sam Hartman. I liked Michael Pratt from from Tulane last year. If all they can get, quote, all they can get is Michael Pratt next year, I will take that until I hear a name that that's a that plays in the power five that is more established. But I don't think you're going to get another Notre Dame's fortunate to have gotten Sam Hartman. It was it was, you know, two worlds coming together at one at the right time but i mean who do you tim who would you like to be the quarterback i uh, not i want uh well, michael pratt make... or the equivalent okay. of michael pratt who is playing football in september developing into next year not able to go pro instead of steve angeli or kenny minchie yeah right. you just if there's if there's a pratt out there you 100 percent do that yes you have to um they learned just like, two you years ago take... what they did wrong they learned yeah, you can't... from the mistake just but don't take the guy who's not playing somewhere else because he's not good enough. Do right. not no, do I agree. That. I agree. Totally agree. I, I'm not saying that at all. I don't want the. I don't want a guy that oh, yeah. has to leave his school because he's not invited back, like Golson or Wimbush or something oh, like you, that. I'm saying a real player. Go, you go out and guy Buckner. That, yeah, like you. More you than get that. a guy that's that threw for 3,500 yards in 2023, and he can go into A and M and and focal and like be a a functioning player and Kyle Field in the opener. You know, and I will say this, maybe Sam Hartman coming to Notre Dame and having a great year kind of makes others a little bit more open-minded about coming to Notre Dame and having yeah, a great and Jack, you can also, I know it's not the same thing, but you can point to Jack Cohn and say Jack Cohn went 11-2 and two when he came here. Sam Hartman did whatever he did. It's think if you had Jack Cohn in 2022, it would have been a, it would have been he would have got sacked a bunch, probably. But man, have thrown touchdowns too, though. He would have thrown a lot of accurate passes. That is that, and and wouldn't have had a whole bunch knocked down at the line of scrimmage. Got a double question here: K. Beasley and Martin Evenflow. The first from Beasley: To what do you attribute Mark Mar Marisley of his success? He seemed to always understand the playbook and gap assignment, but now he drastically has improved his instincts. Martin Evenflo says, should all games be scheduled in North Carolina? So Maris Leofel can win the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> Truthfully, Maris has been our best defensive player all year. Is he now the guy you all saw during camp before he got hurt in 21 or exceeding expectations? Yeah, I would. That, there's my exceeding expectations, Pete. That's what I was waiting for. Oh, okay. I would say exceeding expectations because Maris Leofel looked good in 2021 preseason. But I don't think we saw what we saw. We didn't see that Maris Leofau that we saw last week against NC State because he was dominating Menace. the flow of the game. He was menacing. He was dominating the flow of the game at many times during the NC State game. He, yeah, he was outstanding. I thought 
one of the things that when I was looking at North Carolina State UConn was how much they rely on screen passes. Um, I think Armstrong was seven of seven for 63 yards on screens against UConn and against Notre Dame. I think he was two of seven for three yards. And Maris Leofau had a ton to do with that because he like I I would have nightmares if I was a North Carolina State running back trying to catch a screen pass of Maris Leofau after last week. I mean, he's just such a menace there. And it's exactly the, the player that we saw two years ago in August. He's been outstanding. It's great. Uh, it's great to see because they also needed it. They need a player like that. And he doesn't need to come off the field much anymore because you certainly want that guy out there in your third down packages. He's like the ultimate player to have on third down packages. So if he's earned time in the base, good for him. Linebackers are going to have a very good year. Uh, it's good that Bertrand's back for next week. I think, I think it's pretty important that J.D. Bertrand is back for the Ohio State game. The three levels of defense, rushing the quarterback, defending the run and defending running backs or whoever downfield that that's exactly what he did the why I think a lot of we talked about this previously a lot of it has to do with the fact that he was just was not physically uh, ready to play at a high level last year got a ton of experience he's ready now he's definitely ready now last question from pin and pull are there any players that the coaching staff would like to get involved or see make plays before the tough stretch begins next week a good question. Um, if you're going to test Christian Gray against Ohio State, you probably want him to continue to get a lot of reps this game. I don't know. I mean, you might shorten your rotation a little bit in that Ohio State game at corner simply because of what's out there. But obviously, if they have faith in a guy, they'll put him in because they started Benjamin Morrison, basically, against Ohio State last year. That was kind of nuts when we were sitting up at the box. Um, I mean, Jeremiah Love and Price, I think they trust him, don't you? Sure. Are yeah. You? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's this is a super nerdy way to look at it, but I would like to see Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price be in there on like third and nine when Central uh, Michigan blitzes, which seems fairly stupid now that the words are coming out of my mouth, because why would you put Sam Hartman in any kind of danger? Um, but just like their ability to pick up a blitz is probably something I would like to see if I was Dylan McCullough and Marcus Freeman. A question for you guys. At what point of the season do you say, you know what, let's just redshirt Eli Raritan. Our tight ends are playing well. Uh, yeah, I mean, if let's say all the tight ends stay healthy. At what point do you, like, get get his year back from last year, which was kind of a – I mean, I understood why they played him and why he lost his redshirt. He unfortunately was injured after five games. At what point does it make sense to say, you know what, let's recoup that year and go into 2024 with three years of eligibility? After Great your question. second loss. Yeah, after your second loss. But what is what about if, if he's only if ready at USC, you play him against USC and judiciously get him in the next three? Uh, if you're undefeated, way? I mean, if well, and, it, and you yeah, do have but, like you could you could you would have four games with him. Could, yeah, you have and, a four game window. Yeah. I, yeah. He's not playing these next two games. I don't think we have never heard an indication he's playing against Ohio State. He still could. Obviously, I'm, I'm not saying he's out, but if he's not even close to playing this week, Ohio State is 50 weeks post-injury. He doesn't play against Ohio State. And let's say his first game available is Louisville. I don't want to see Raritan play six plays against at Louisville. I'd almost rather have him practice the whole week and be totally healthy and see if he play, helps against USC and then you go from there. But Pete, I know what you're saying. If you're 
if Eli Raritan is back for game seven and you beat USC and Eli Raritan it's has one, one cool. catch for 12 yards, you, you play him the rest worth of the year. It's yeah. worth it. It's worth it at that point. All right. We, uh, let, let's wrap this up guys with our predictions. I will save mine. Now that I remember, I will save mine until tomorrow for my preview. Thanks for reminding me, Pete Sampson. I won't, I don't think I'll ever forget again. Yeah. Uh, Stay in the moment, Priester. Let's, let's win this podcast. Let's, 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 let's win the, let's win the end of the, the fourth quarter of the Thursday podcast. Priester, give us your Ohio state preview in your pot, in your preview this time, your (laughs) prediction. That's what we need to have from them. I'm not anywhere uh, close to that prediction. Yeah. Uh I am I am with O'Malley on Central Michigan will cover just because Notre Dame is not going to go uh 13 and 0 against the spread this year. Um I also have a hard time seeing Central Michigan scoring and <laughs> and Notre Dame not scoring, which makes it complicated. That's the so, dilemma. Yeah. So in a nod to that, uh I have Notre Dame 42, Central Michigan eight. Um, maybe there'll be a botched extra point that turns into a scrappy two point conversion. And that's how central Michigan covers maybe in the fourth quarter. And it'd be one of those like terrible beats. If you're better, I like it. I'm totally with you, Pete. I have Notre Dame 45 central Michigan 12. Uh, they just finagle their way in there. And it's got that feeling of Brennan Armstrong throwing a garbage 23 yard touchdown to some guy that I don't like ruin everything. I have a feeling it was a terrible score. moment in sports history. I have a feeling my score is going to be in the general vicinity of what you guys are saying. That's what I have written down here. Uh, so we'll see what we come up with when we come out with the uh, complete fighting hours preview tomorrow, a lot coming up tomorrow, this weekend, uh, the staff's predictions, and of course, instant analysis before we kick off on Saturday, Tim O'Malley. One, I have one prediction for central Michigan. Bertie Manuel gets away from the spy. Unlike Brennan Armstrong. And sets up a score or scores. He is fast and strong. You know what? He's not. I think they can sack him. He's not quick side to side. Like when his first move to be evasive isn't great. He's going to hit it once though. But when he, yeah, when he turns it upfield, he's he's a he's a really good athlete. All right, we're going to wrap it up there. We appreciate you joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.